Hello and welcome to You're Wrong About Me as I'm SA. And I'm Nell. And today we are going to be talking about rent. But first we have rent. rent. We have quite a lot of news to get through. Um, Just going to go quickly. Uh, Gatsby announces its Broadway run at the Broadway Theatre with Jeremy Jordan and Eva Nobuzada set to return as Daisy and um, Gatsby. The his other name, one. His name's in the title. Uh, <laughs> Daisy and the other one, the man. And then the man. Don't really care about him. Uh, <laughs> with I don't know whether or not it's been like I've we had this discussion all, before we started recording. I have a vivid like image in my mind of there being a TikTok announcing the full cast, but it I, doesn't exist. I know what you're on about because a lot of confusion about whether or not the cast had been announced yet. My only thought is. I might be confusing it with the video announcing the next normal cast. Um, I don't think it's going to be the flop that everyone thinks it's going to be. Um, and it's like referencing someone in particular. Someone in particular. We won't say who. <laughs> we won't say who. They're going to the first preview. Esme really wants to go and see you, Greg Gatsby, in case you didn't know. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to work out. Anyway, maybe there's something else I'm happy about. The next normal cast was announced. Ah. It's the Donmar cast transferring. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just the Donmar. I'm finally going to see it for the first time ever. I've never listened to it. I'm going to go completely blind. I only know what okay. Esme's told me, which is quite a lot. Quite a lot. Yeah, you know a lot more than the average person. It's, it's like I know what I'm getting myself into. I just have no idea, like, the plot properly or anything. You don't know, I like, know the plot. It's going to do to you psychologically. No one does until you see it. I don't know what it's going to do to me psychologically. Uh, it's been a great week for me, news wise. Like, personal things that, like, I really wanted to see happen are happening this week. Harmony? Harmony. Harmony is about a group of comedians during World War Two, and they're Jewish, so I guessed Nazism was going to play in at some point. Yeah. Um, but I think the big issue with Harmony is that they never knew how to market themselves. A lot of their marketing seemed very focused on, hey, we have Sierra Baguette and Julie Benko. To us. us. To us. Which it was worked, by the way. <laughs> Which I wanted Jewish. to go and see it. The general public was like, it's a Barry Manilow musical. And so everyone was like, ah, good times at the Barry Manilow musical. Wait, what do you mean about World War II? Crazy. I feel like... But, yeah. There's been some bad musical marketing recently. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really know what to do with it. But they... I feel like Harmony was unfortunately the first big... I don't I don't know, big flop of the season. I don't know if flop is the right word. Because I feel like, like all the reviews I saw of it were good. Yeah, I think I, I was just in an echo chamber because again, I do want to see it. Yeah, um, but I I only saw good things about it. Yeah, I think casualty will probably be a better word to use. And as everyone keeps saying, this is the most crowded season ever that we've got. Oh, yeah, going on, and so things are going to open and things are going to close prematurely. It's going to be like twenty seventeen on steroids, but we've all got fully developed brains now. Very excited. Yes. What next? Uh, Stephanie Joe Block oh, is yes. going to come and do Kiss Me Kate the Barbican in London. People are saying it's her West End debut. It's, it's not. not. The Barbican it's... isn't a West End theatre. The Barbican is a great theatre. The, yeah, the Barbican is well, geographically wise it is a good hour's walk from where all the other theatres are. Yeah. At least. I don't know like how we're counting West End anymore because like I 
was like Newsies is off West End. Like Newsies, but then everyone was like, "Oh, Newsies is off West End." No, that's like no, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's in Wembley. It's in fucking Zone Four next to the stadium. It's on an industrial estate. It's like um, a ten miles out from the West End. It feels like. Yeah. No, it literally is like ten miles out. But Barbara, Barbican... what makes it West End? Anymore. No, Barbara is not a traditional West End house. But yeah. it's exciting that she's coming over and doing Kiss Me Kate. Yeah, I want to see it. I want to see it. There's a 40-piece orchestra. God, I need to see it. And it's going to the Barbican because if you are between side ages, you can get £10 tickets. <laughs> yes, I love the Barbican. So, shout out to Barbican. Uh, not that they need it. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty well established. Yeah. <laughs> um, two strangers carry a cake through New York will be transferring to the Criterion, I believe. It's a good place to put a two-person show. The Criterion seems to have an issue like keeping shows. I don't think I've ever walked past there and seen the same show. Like every time I go past there, and we're like in that area. Yeah, there. that's an area we hang out in. I think the longest I've seen a show that was over Christmas because it does like it didn't do a proper panto, did it? Did it house a panto? No, they do. No, they were doing some magic show. They had like a show there, and I saw it a few times over Christmas. Not like yeah. saw the show. I saw no. the theater marketing the same show every time it never looks like there's a lot of activity going on in there i don't think it's even when emily was in there i only saw it being like marked about once yeah it's weird but good theater for a two-person show to go in it is a really good theater i think it's just we were saying this before it's slightly too big yeah that it struggles to like fill it's too big but the shows it like it has to have are too small, a too niche to be mainstream. Yeah. Anyway, I I'd be down to go see it. I listened to the song that they released this week, and it's actually pretty good. Mm, I kind of want to see it. It's uh, pretty good. Uh, Time Traveler's Wife is closing in six weeks, I believe. Do yeah. I think there are worse things on the West End right now? Personally, yes. Yes. Um, listen to my interview review for that. I think that the first two songs of both acts. Very good. Rest of it needs to be cut. Yeah, uh, I've not seen it, so I can't comment. Those I've my heard very mixed reviews. I've heard some people love it. I can get how some people would love it. It's one of the. It's it's like it's like it's very palatable. The casting was announced for Suffs, Heart of Walk and Roll, and Limpika. I wrote it yeah. down wrong, but I believe that's how you say it. Limpika did the most dramatic thing, and they had like the cast members come out on stage. I've heard good things about the Heart and Rock and and the casting's good it's a jukebox yeah. musical though so i'm not gonna see it um stuffs i'm also very intrigued by it's about suffragettes mm. and yeah. it it's sound pretty good two of them i'm very intrigued to listen to the other one i'm like okay i'm gonna let you rock speaking of jukebox musicals oh god the worst offender in my opinion at the moment we just spent like an hour and no offense to fans of Moulin Rouge I'm sure it's a great show when you see it in person we just spent an hour laughing at it <laughs> we were like Esme got a full list of all of the songs that are in it like just the snippets and like medleys where they reference this song they don't even reference just sing like a line of the song yeah it is ridiculous it is insane um Moulin Rouge is one that I probably would have seen already if it wasn't so goddamn expensive um, I I've, I've heard very good things i'm sure it is good i've i've read the plot now for a long time i avoided it i was like i'm just because it is it is such a jukebox music it is such a, it's so commercial I, I i like a commercial thing i mean i fucking love labels and that's commercialized to shit yeah but 
it's just it's uh, not one that I was ever willing to spend more than twenty pounds on, and they don't have any tickets for that range. Yeah, I was just never gonna see it because I don't like jukebox musicals. Yeah. Um, I have friends who have seen it and like sat in the can can seats and sold their lives for it, and they really enjoyed yeah. it. And I'm like, I'm sure if I did sit in a can can seat, I'd have a great time. Everything I've seen about, it, I'm like, I understand why people love this. It it looks very fun. It's just not my thing. Um, another reason it's not my thing. Oh yeah, another <laughs> reason why I don't like it. They so the Broadway production. Oh, stop uh, casting. Cast, they're stop casting. I don't see why they need to, because again, Moulin Rouge, everyone knows. Oh, yeah. But they've got Boy George in. Mm. And we talked about this when it was first announced. And they did like their big announcement on like, Twitter with the video and everything. But people were rightfully pointing out in the comments of that post, like in the replies, hey, you know this guy is like a, a sexual abuser. Like, yeah. The whole case about it. It's very well documented. It's very well known. And hiding the replies. Yeah, so he's he's about to start his run imminently. I don't exactly know when because I don't care. I think it's like start of next month, I believe. It is very uh, soon. Uh, February sixth, he's starting. Yeah, early February, and they are so they they're starting to drum up some more hype. But the thing I don't understand is yeah, tourists come and go, and sure, people that don't really know Boy George would see the name and go, oh, I'll go see that. But at the end of the day. It's the people who are buying tickets again and again and again and again that are your return customers, and you do not want to piss and, them and off. They're hating it. And they like, are. As I was saying, she's seeing people with full Moulin Rouge layouts on Twitter. Yeah. Tweeting out, fuck Moulin Rouge. My so favorite. It's not only hiring an abuser, like that is horrific. It's silencing people that are calling you out. Because at least if you didn't silence them, you could pretend, oh, we had no idea. Yeah. We, we didn't know. Like, no one's going to believe you, but you can pretend. You're not, like, hiding the replies. So, calling a, you out on it. So someone with a full Moulin Rouge, like, theme and um, the username Trevate, I-N-K, um, has tweeted, Moulin Rouge should fire Boy George as Zidler and hire Boy Genius instead. Amen. Amen. I would go see it. <laughs> if they got Boy Genius in Moulin Rouge. That's um, a lie. I won't ever go see Moulin Rouge. No, I actually, think there were very few scenarios where I would go see it. If I got tickets for free, okay, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Even then, it's not guaranteed. Alternatively, I would sell them <laughs> at a very high price. <laughs> and people would pay it, that's the thing. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd make a profit. Also, Derek Claire's um, back. Oh, yeah. That's good news. Music, another play. I want to talk about this. Stereophonic. It's announced its transfer. I really want to see Stereophonic if it ever comes to London. Actually, I've heard about it, but I haven't heard like anything in depth. I have like, no idea what it's about. Inspired anything. by uh, Fleetwood Mac. Ooh. So I've got to be there, obviously. Um, mean uh, Girls does shockingly well at the box office. It made $33 million? Yeah, it was pretty good. Open. I was going to tell you this before and I forgot. Okay. I saw this guy on TikTok. I shouldn't laugh. But he was like, oh, you, everyone's like, musicals need to market, like, movie musicals need to market themselves as musicals. More. Yeah. Like, they need to create yeah, yeah, a yeah. musical. But my favourite musical is Mamma Mia. And I hate Les Mis. And, like, I think they said, like, Phantom or something. And they're like, and this, like, this kind of marketing is perfect to people like me. I was like, then you don't like You musicals. don't like musicals! You like ABBA! There's nothing wrong with loving ABBA! I like love ABBA! ABBA. I love ABBA. <laughs> but you don't like musicals, my love. Oh my god, Lamez is being re-released for some reason. Everyone's gonna hate me for it. I fucking love yeah, the Lamez. Nell's movie. the only it's person crazy. who's excited about this. I really like the Lamez movie. <laughs> Good. 
you get to hear Russell Crowe sing Stars in better definition. I know, I'm so excited. <laughs> Everyone's like, he's shit, I've heard worse. I have as well, but like, you know. Um, this is just more random things. Ariana DeBose was called Not a Singer. And none other than Anthony, Anthony Rapp. So I was watching, the first time I was watching it, I was like, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, do they not know that she got her Oscar for West Side Story? And then I was like, it's not Bella Ramsey's fault. Uh, they've just been handed this, sorry. And then I'm, I'm I'm watching it again, like, a couple hours later, and I'm like, hold up! I know who that is. See, mine was the opposite, because I got the video of, like, just show up on my Twitter feed. <laughs> I was looking at it, and I just like, it's like Anthony Ramos. I had no <laughs> idea what the video said. I was like, there's no way. What's he doing there? I forgot he was in a movie. But, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, hold on. What, like, this what's video going is on? about Ariana DeBose. That's what, like, it was captioned. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, Anthony Ramos. I'm a star of Ariana DeBose. <laughs> she can't sing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Josh Groban and Adelie Ashford left Sweeney Todd. People cheered. Both sad and, you know. I mean, people, like, I, two of my, two of my close friends are, are Adelie Ashford accent haters. Yeah, me included. Oh, so it's free now. Okay. Yeah. It's, like, no offense <laughs> to Adelie Ashford. I think she's an incredible actress and singer and all that, and I do love her. I love Adelie Ashford. For the just... accent. Oh! Let her do British accent on stage. I did get a video of Josh Groban like doing oh, yeah. his last little rise up. Oh, in the beginning, that was yeah. cute. And I like how they're how they're putting on the standbys and the understudies um, until Sam Foster and Aaron Tveit take over the role, which is an incredible cast. Yeah, the date for West End Lives has just been announced. Oh, fuck off! When is it? Day after Taylor Swift. Well, we have to go. <laughs> <laughs> We will get in this year. Rent is a musical with music, lyrics, and book by Jonathan Larson with additional lyrics by Billy Aronson. Aronson. I didn't realise that there was, like, another person who actually had, like, credits in the playbill of Rent until I started researching this because it is is just Jonathan Larson's Rent. Um, Yeah. So you can't talk about Rent without talking about the life and times of Jonathan Larson. One and the same, basically. Rent, Jonathan Larson, same thing, as we're going to find out. Brief history on him. Born in White Plains, attended Adelphi University. He, after graduating, moved to New York City to focus writing a musical. Uh, Didn't want to be an actor, despite the fact that everyone in his life was like, you're the greatest actor ever to exist, Jonathan. No, his his friends were very gushing about him, and I don't know whether or not that's because of what happened later they genuinely thought he was the greatest thing ever i'm gonna try and not be cynical about this because i really have come around to rent in doing this research rent is a really good musical yes like it objectively deserves all the hype it gets yes it's just when you grow up with rent having all that hype there's a little part of you that wants to be like um actually yes. the musical is objectively <laughs> it's not it's so not yeah, it's just not <laughs> it's not um in new york city he would live in a grungy greenwich village street apartment with a bathtub in the kitchen so around the time so oh. do you want to know this show that really inspired jonathan larson to start writing musicals oh god what Jesus Christ Superstar by our bestie Andrew Lloyd Webber. I have the vinyl up there. Of course you do. Put it um, two for one with my Phantom vinyl. Oh, classic. I'll buy both Andy vinyls. Obviously. Um, 
the musicals vernacular around the time. So this was the era of the mega musical when Jonathan Larson was starting out. It was Cats, it was Lamez, it was Phantom. There were big, pompastic pop musicals that didn't sound like anything on the radio. It was the British Invasion. Um, and Jonathan Larson would go around saying stuff like, I'm going to bring rock and roll back to Broadway. An admirable effort. He, he had a goal. He had a goal. So he spent years working at the Moondance Diner in Manhattan in order to earn money whilst writing his futuristic musical called Superbia. Um, wow. Producers did were like, this is too expensive to mount off-Broadway, but would never work on Broadway. Superbia is weird. Superbia is really weird. And I don't mean that as a diss. It's objectively very weird. Um, then he would write Tick, Tick, uh, Boom. I love Tick, Tick, Boom. It was basically just like a monologue and it's about his life and his looming 30th birthday. His friend, around some time, he befriends Stephen Sondheim somehow. A feat which many composers have aimed for. <laughs> Actually quite hard to befriend Stephen yeah. Sondheim, no matter how many times someone has tried. Um, with Stephen Sondheim saying, basically uh, being like, he understood how to write a story through lyrics, which is actually really hard to do, like, Having a good sounding lyric that also propels the story forward is really, really hard. This was when he would get involved with the New York uh, Theatre Workshop. So actual like background of Rent the Musical. In 1998, he would meet Aronson. He would come to him and be like, do you want to help me adapt Puccini's La Bibouette? Which he had written three songs for, including the title song of Rent. But their visions didn't mesh. Aronson wanted it to take place on the Upper West Side and Larson wanted to tell it of the Bohemian Lower East Side. Rent would not work if it was not on the Lower East Side. Larson went back to Rent after after taking a break to write Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, Aronson let Larson keep writing it alone. I think it was quite an informal um, agreement as we will come to learn they were really like just making art and not really thinking about making money off of any of it and when a piece of art that is created that way then goes on to be one of the best most successful musicals of the 90s it causes some legal issues yeah so the first scene that was written is the AIDS support group the three characters Ali, Pam and Gordon are created. First three songs that included lyrics were Rent, Santa Fe, and I Should Tell You. All banging songs. They are all like really good songs, actually, thinking about Every it. song in Rent, like I'm thinking back on it, and just every song in Rent is like good at the, at the worst. Objectively. The worst song in Rent is still good. And what is the worst song in Rent? I did not tell you. Larson was like, I'm making the hair of the 90s. I am making the hair. <laughs> I'm doing it, guys. Because like, and we'll talk about this later. I have a bit when we talk about this later, where like there was a the time period where Rent came out and then like Hamilton came out. Everyone was like, I'm making the rent of this generation. Back then, it was like, I'm making the hair of this generation. Because you couldn't walk around being like, I'm making the phantom of this generation. It's one of those things I don't think um, you realize how influential a lot of musicals are. Yeah. Until we're like 10 years in the future. Yeah. But it's like, like Hamilton, Ren, even to an extent, stuff like Phantom. I would Sorry, say I Phantom. No, in. no, Phantom Lamez. I, I don't the think. The problem I have is that I always group all the mega musicals together. 
like, yeah. like the mega musicals of Phantom Limb is yeah like all of the Andrew Lloyd Webber ones yeah and and then you get the individual ones yeah I don't know I feel like individually they are all very influential but also just kind of as a group of mega musicals in their own way like I think by the time we start getting to like the Miss Saigons and stuff like that they all kind of blur together in some sense yeah um, he wanted to like blast people out with a grisly, messy show of it taking seven years for it to ever come to fruition. During one of the first workshops, Michael Greif was brought in to work on the show. Michael Greif likes to be involved in musicals that are edgy, that are genre-defining. He has done one of my favourite musicals, Next to Normal. Thank you for that. And he was also involved in the development of Dear Evan Hansen, so can't can't be too nice to him. He has an overall pretty good track record. Yeah, and I think this season he's doing like three shows. Three movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big free... lineup for him. <laughs> big big year for him. Uh, With Jonathan, like they got into fight Michael Greif and Jonathan Larson because jo- this is Jonathan Larson's baby. Um, yeah. and they having to battle about. So many people in Rent are have their direct counterparts, and it's the same with Tick Tick Boom, where it's literally like people's names. Yeah. Um, but it's like less so in Rent, but they had their real life counterparts. These were Jonathan Larson's friends. These were the these were the people that he lived with. So I think someone else coming into that must have been really personal. Yeah, I think like having that personal um aspect of Rent is very good. It makes it a very realistic. Feels like too simple of a word to use. Yeah. He's, like, touching. It does the slice of life bit very well. Yeah, many of his friends would make it into the show with Ed- Edward Rosenstein being a documentary maker and real-life acquaintance or and real-life instance of Jonathan going to an AIDS support group with his childhood friend, Matthew O'Grady. His former roommate, Jonathan Burkhart, says there's a lot of me and Jonathan in Roger and Mark, with it being alleged that Jonathan had had a girlfriend who wound up being involved with another woman. Oh! No! No! I just want to make it clear, I can make that joke because I'm a lesbian. After seven years, after, yeah, as as I said, after seven years of workshopping and working on the show, it would go to the New York Theatre Workshop in 1996. There would be a six-week run at the 50-seat theatre, and it would cost it would cost a quarter of a million to produce. That is, like... Jesus Christ. That's cheap. That's so cheap. That's so, so cheap. What, quarter of a million dollars? Mm-hmm. For a six-week run. That's, like, ten pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I made that same joke earlier. <laughs> I'm just... Me and Esme will chat for, like, two hours yeah. before we start recording, <laughs> and I, like, test out my jokes on that. <laughs> and then I scream yeah. them in the episode. <laughs> So if I'm not laughing at Nell's joke, it's because I've already heard them. And yeah, she's already heard it. it. She gives me feedback. She's like, mm. mm I'd work work <laughs> worked on that. Okay, I've got to be serious now. Okay. Okay. Okay, I've got to be serious. I actually started crying when I was putting this together. Oh. I think I'm actually losing my mind. No, Ren is Ren and Jonathan Larson are very like emotional stories. Uh, yeah, because I never really looked into it because obviously, like, I knew I knew it, you know, but I never like yeah. knew the facts, if you get what I mean. Because at this point, this part of the story is basically musical theatre folklore. Yeah. Three nights before the final dress rehearsal, while watching a run through of Act Two, Larson complained of chest pains with Michael Greif saying, We were rehearsing your, uh, what you own when there was a disruption. We found out that the disruption was Jonathan was very ill. 
He asked to be taken to the emergency room and EKG at a Spreeny Medical Center revealed no heart irregularities. They misdiagnosed him with possible food poisoning, as Daphne Rubin-Baker said. Will adds to his producer, they don't look for a 10-inch tear in your aorta when you're a healthy 36-year-old. Two days later, still not feeling better, Larson went to the hospital. This time, St. Vincent, again, they only sent him home. Jonathan Larson would then give his only interview to the New York Times the night before his death due to the fact that there was an apt 100-year anniversary of Libby Bowen. With Larson saying in an interview, it's not about how many years you live, but how you fulfil the time you spent it. That's sort of the point of rent. Do you get what I mean when I was like, when you actually look into it, this is such a sad story. (laughs) That night, before he goes to interview, there would be a sold-out dress room with his friends and family. Afterwards, Jonathan would go home, make tea, and would die of an aortic aneurysm sometime early that morning. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jonathan! Um, the first preview would be cancelled, with the performance being a for the Larson family, friends, and, and friends. The cast and crew would sit around and do a sing-through of the show, with one friend saying... Uh, this was his funeral and Jonathan had written his own score for it. Listening to the show, Jonathan had prepared us for his death. Jesus. Um, and I didn't include it, but it's very important to note that the AIDS epidemic is also going on at the moment, at this current moment. And a lot of these people obviously are in these circles which are being ravaged by the AIDS epidemic at, the, at, at that time um there's a quote from his friend victoria in one of the new york times articles basically saying um, she came back from being in italy and had a message with the two tickets to rent and being like this is the year of no more funerals from jonathan yeah it sounds like a story oh um to lighten the mood they ripped this off in smash I didn't realise how much of a rip-off it was. And then I, I, I re-watched the Smash episode that this was in. And I was like, oh, this is just what this happened. This is just Jonathan Larson. This is just Jonathan Larson. Except from he's he's gay instead of not being gay. It's it's so... it. I don't know how Smash were allowed to get away with that. When you kind of look back on those kind of shows, there's a lot that I don't think they should have gotten away with. But it was especially bad because they had, like, original cast members of Rent in the cast at the time. Mimi and, oh my god, what's his name? Collins. Oh my god. Yeah. Anywho, so obviously, big success, gained a lot of notoriety, one of them being a Pulitzer win. So, yeah, musicals don't win Pulitzers. At the time, it would be the seventh musical to win a Pulitzer, with it being uh, of the I Sing, South Pacific, Othello. Ferrello, sorry. I always think it's so fellow. It's Ferrello. How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, A Chorus Line, and Sunday in the Park with George. I think since when Rent has won, won the Pulitzer, it, like Next Normal won the Pulitzer, Hamilton won the Pulitzer, and um, Strange Loop won the Pulitzer. Yeah. It's become more common. No, it's feel... not common. No. It's, it's become more common. Yeah, no, I get you what know? you mean. The, like, free, free musicals winning it in the span of what 10 years yeah is a lot more than it used to be with the last of the state saying it's an incredible honor the family feels bittersweet as you can imagine they're very thrilled broadway so 
It would transfer to the Nederlander Theatre with it opening on the 29th of April 1996 after 16 previews. It's been said that the Nederlander was the perfect choice for the show since it had an industrial feel to it. It had not hosted a Broadway show since 1992. Yeah. And you you know what the Nederlander looks like. Um, yes. It's where Newsies yes, was. It's got like that outside yes, I bit. I do. <laughs> yeah, I do know what it looks like. <laughs> It's got that outside bit, which almost yeah, like yeah. yeah. So that kind of adds to the feel of this show. It would wow. cost two million to produce. Wow. That's still really cheap, to be fair. It's so cheap. With tickets ranging in price from twenty dollars to sixty-seven dollars. I have seen shows start at sixty-seven dollars. Broadway, like shows start at sixty-seven dollars. That is insane to me, though. Like, I'm always like, oh, West End tickets are so expensive. This is why I, like, see... I feel a bit weird saying this after doing the end of year review and having realised I've seen, like, ten shows last year. Yeah. But for a, that's the most shows I've ever seen in yeah, a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same. Usually I see, like, maybe one. Maybe two at a push. Yeah. I was like, this is why I never see shows, because they're so expensive. And then you look at Broadway tickets, and it's, like, a hundred pounds. How does anyone? How does anyone see Broadway tickets? How does anyone see Broadway shows? It's insane. Reviews. So the interesting thing about the reviews is that they weren't as gushy as I thought they were going to be. I do really feel like it's again one of those shows you look back on a lot. Like that's not saying it wasn't good for the time. It was incredible at the time as well. Mm. But it's just become such like a classic show that I I think we look back on it really fondly. I think. At this time, Rent had become a bit of a phenomenon. And so I wonder if the impulse with the reviewers were, what can I talk about that's not already been said? That's how I kind of feel doing this whole episode. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to have anything groundbreaking to say. I'm not going to even have my own opinion on Rent. No, it's really hard. Like, I, like, I, I like Rent. I think Rent's good. End of the episode. We're done. <laughs> That's what we're gonna say. Wrap it up. <laughs> but no, like I feel like the thing is I I don't want to talk bad about rent. Like I'm not gonna be like, I think they could have done this instead, or I think this should have happened, or I don't like this bit. Because like, it none of it's true. You know? Interesting. I'll get I'll probably talk about it more. Yeah, when we, we get to thoughts. Yeah. But it's just that's, like that's like I don't feel like like when I talk about like Anastasia, I was like, yeah. you know what they should have done? They should have done this and this and this and this, and that would have made it the perfect show, even though it's already perfect. <laughs> I'm, Rent, I'm like, mm, I don't know. I guess maybe like with Anastasia, we were like, they need to cut some songs. What songs and, should they cut? Maybe they were like, they could cut like ten songs. Yeah. With Rent, I'm like, well, I like even songs that I don't listen to or I don't like. I don't think they can cut them. You know, they're good. Interesting. New York Times said Rent, Jonathan Larson's Loomless, youthful musical that started at the tiny New York Theatre Workshop on East 4th Street in February, has opened last night on at the Nederlander Theatre after previews drew much paparazzi's dream as Billy Joel, David Bowie and Ralph Fiennes and no Toto were not in the East Village anymore. Anyone can quickly be a quick sigh of relief, however, before the laminating away of all the flash, anyone that loved Rent in its first incarnation is going to feel like a victim of a champagne hangover and wake up next to a creepy stranger. The vibrant cast of 15 members are even better as they found fresh, fresh reserves of energy in the glow of mainstream starlight. The ingenuity and dexterity in Mr. Larson's pop rock score, lovingly translated with skill by Tom Wilde's onstage band, are in fact more evident now. 
Indeed, a great deal of care has been taken to keep this charming, poignant rock opera as much as it looked like as it had been by Mr. Larson, who died of an aortic aneurysm after a dress rehearsal downtown. And therein lies one conspicuous problem of the transplanted rent. The show remains a sentimental triumph that will doubtless has a long and healthy run. But unlike Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk, which recently moved from the Joseph Papp Public Theatre to the Ambassador on Broadway, this rent verges on being lost in the space. Thank heavens for its top flight cast, who indeed pumped the theatre full of emotional adrenaline, but the actors work harder than they should have to, even at Sunday night's previews, where some of their voices were already edged in raggedness despite the continued use of held mics. Interesting. LA Times said Monday Night Rent opened at the Nederlander Theatre, the most anticipated opening in several years. Anyone who's seen it cannot help but ask, would this musical be a red-hot ticket if Jonathan Larson had lived? (laughs) I'm sure we're all asking that, surely. (laughs) Let me just hop back in my time machine. What is an inextricably strange, sad question it turns out to be. Muscular, chilling and energising, Rent is full of death and the presence of dying as any musical has ever been. The show is a focus focuses on a group of young people clinging fiercely together whilst living a difficult, extenuating um, existence um, on the brink of poverty. And as it turns out, Jonathan Larson is the main character in the perfect, in this wonderful but imperfect show. What would have been merely moving in Rent made unbelievably bittersweet in the knowledge evident appears in most songs is that Larson grappled profoundly with the meaning of life and art in his final years. His death should be irrelevant to his achievement, and yet it is not. It is most directly uh, evident that the fact that the rock musical Hair, which opened on Broadway the same night, 29th in 1968, like the hippies memorialised in Hair and the bohemians of Rent wear their youth, poverty and creativity like a cloak around them, shielding them from judgement of the enemy, anyone who has sold out and has money. This generation's Vietnam is the AIDS virus and the rampant materialism they see all around them. <laughs> now just made another face. <laughs> As I just stops talking, I was like, ah, trying to find a place. Like, this generation's Vietnam is the AIDS virus. <laughs> that, using that equation, does that mean our generation's Vietnam is COVID? No. No. Because COVID wasn't just like... No, our thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know, Vietnam was specifically, like, American, and particularly yeah. American youth protesting it. Mm. The AIDS virus was predominantly gay people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Protesting against the treatment and stigmatization of it. Yeah. COVID, everyone had COVID. Everyone had COVID. Rent is the thing most of its characters don't have money to pay. Amen. <laughs> and it's bitterly overloaded hodgepodge of emotion and life and talent. How do you figure uh, a last year on earth is the plaintive chorus of the songs most be- of the show's most beautiful number, Figure in Love, Measure in Love? Rent is a memorial service as a work of art clearly and exhaust- authentically created in love. Pulled yourself back in there at the end. Well done. So Variety basically started out by comparing it to Stephen Sondheim, Irving Berlin and Richard Rogers, which... Interesting choices. I can get the impulse of like great theatre composers. I understand why. Yes, it's just Rent doesn't sound anything like that. No, and you could. There's a very clear through line from Richard Rogers to Stephen Sondheim, like musically. Yeah. Um, and then they start talking about Alan Menken for some reason. Oh, love Alan Menken. Great love guy. that man. Uh, the tragedy of Larson's 
public death as well as a private one for there is for no one else has shown as much promise in restoring theater's prevalence as a source of popular music so it's basically saying like jonathan larson was our one hope to get back in the public consciousness and he's dead he kind of did it though like he did it red did kind of do it red kept you guys in business because we've not talked about this but i think the 90s were a really hard time for musicals yeah You'd had the mega musicals of the 80s and then you were just kind of like, and what do we do now? And then Jonathan Larson saved us all. I think you, like, even just talking about the pricing of them. Yeah. Like, from the cost, like, how much mega musicals cost to put on and keep on. Mm-hmm. Compared to two million to put rent on Broadway. Like, yeah. you see this very, I think you see it in a lot of aspects of life. But mm. you go from something, like, really big. Mm-hmm. It's something very, very stripped back. This is a weird thing to compare it to, I think. But you see in, like, makeup. Yes, yeah. Like, like the makeup trends of the 2010s, for example. Yeah. Even, like, I'll, I'll do the same time period. 80s makeup is known for being very big, very neon. The same yeah. as, like, fashion. Mm. If you go to 90s makeup, mm. it's, like, more drawn back, kind of smoky eye, darker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with fashion. It's, like, skimpier. Yeah. You know, tighter. It has to balance it out. I don't know. I feel like that's why it's so hard to compare Rent to like any other musical, mm. apart from other ones that came about in the nineties. Yeah, and I think the nineties. 90- and even then, Rent is like the musical of the nineties. Yeah, I don't. I just keep coming back to the Rent versus Hamilton debates. But then again, I think if you look at like the musicals of the two thousands, I think Rent versus In the like... Heights is a better. Yeah, I think it's. So you get mega musicals of the eighties. Yeah, I don't know what kind of musical you call Rent, like down to earth musicals of the nineties, like Rent. Strip back. What else came? Yeah, what else came out in the nineties? Oh, I li- like that's the issue. Is I think we had the tail end. So I think Miss Saigon was like ninety two. Yeah, but that was still kind of. That was that was like a remnant of the mega musicals. I was looking at like a list of all of like the musicals that came out. Blood Brothers. Oh yeah. That's so incredibly British. The best Broadway musicals of the 90s. Chicago. It had a revival. Yeah, Lion King. Chicago had a revival. It wasn't written in the 90s. A lot of Disney musicals. Yeah, Disney Disney started their... uh, Ragtime. Yeah. Which is mega. Ragtime is huge. Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. (laughs) I forgot about that. So, best musical winners of the like, 90s. City of Angels, Barton. Aspects of Love, Real Rogers Follies, Miss Saigon, Once in this Island. These beginning ones, you see falsettos. It's a good yeah, you're seeing like out. falsettos like starting to happen. Yeah. But you're seeing a lot of like leftover mega musicals. Or, yeah. Like Sunset almost. Boulevard. Shows that were very much being developed around the time of like mega musicals being in their heyday. Yeah. It's once you get to like Rent, which is ninety six, which is the latter half. By the time and I'm you ignoring get... Disney musicals yeah. because those yeah, are always going to be mega. Um, by the time you get to the end of the nineties, you have Parade. Parade. But it's like um, you have those movies. You have the kind of more, I guess, stripped back is the right kind of word for what. And again, it, it's only because Rent is what defines the nineties in terms of musicals. Yeah, I mean, it's very slim pickings for the rest. Yeah, <laughs> like, I... and then you get to the two thousands, and you get stuff like. 
you get your spring yeah, awakenings really you get your legally blondes you get fucking shrek for these girls which aren't mega mm. but are big like they are like legally blonde you oh my god um what's the song called what you want <laughs> like that is a big number yeah in the same way you have in legally blonde reprise it's yeah. a big number and that kind of carry like it's all very bright it's all very like big set in your face 2010s you get it slightly more stripped back again you get stuff like newsies which is still very big fun home but it feels more down to earth fun yeah home, even disney's is- stripping back they're not doing a massive set anymore there's just some railings you're getting stuff like that and then 2020s now what are we doing <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm saying like straight back because you get like Hamilton, which is a yeah. big musical. But when you look at it, I mean, in comparison to something like Phantom, Hades Town, Hades Town, we're going back to big. I don't know if that's big though. I don't know. We'll, we'll report back. I've seen that set. I've not. That's I'm big. staying away. I'm staying away. What else has come out in the 2020s? Mince Me. That's tidy. You can have a big set if you just don't use it until the end of the second act. It's still a big set. <laughs> You can have a plane if you wanted, but you don't need to bring it out until the second stairs. Stairs? We won't see them until the finale. We'll see them Sorry. Finale. I stopped bitching about it. We have not bitched about Mitzvah in, in a while, though. I know. I have to throw it in. I say what else has come out in 2020. We're like four years in. We're like four years in, but... And it's been mostly revivals. It's been mostly... Yeah, a lot of revivals. But, and they've been quite stripped back. Uh, Think of your parades. The other your is you have the stuff like... Six, which is really big oh, in the yeah. 2020s, but it started in 2018. And it also was like kind of small. Like six is a small production. Yeah. It doesn't cost that much to run. I don't know. The whole point of that was to say it's very hard to compare musicals because the big musicals of the 2020s and of the 2000s are very different to the mega musicals of the yes. 1980s. Yes. And the stripped back musicals of the 1990s, musicals, rent. Rent. The singular musical of the 90s. At times it feels like that though. Like it genuinely feels like Rent was the musical of the nineties. There was nothing else happening. But like stuff like Rent, and like you can't compare to like Hamilton. Yeah, it is a whole different period. Even though they are probably two very similar musicals in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I mean, I have quotes about this later on because I do think it is important yeah. to talk about. But Manuel Lin- Miranda was—it feels weird to say his full name because like, normally you can just say Lynn, and it's just like just everyone Lin. knows who He's he our is. He's our good friend Lynn. He was very inspired to write in the Heights after seeing Rent. The whole reason why in the Heights is a slice of life—it is about his neighborhood, it's about his community—is because he saw Rent and went, "Oh, I can do that." Yeah. I, don't, that... I feel like the the problem we're gonna have in this episode talking about Ren mm. is that there's not a lot to say other than just talking about outside of Ren. If that yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like I can't be like the story of Ren. You know, this is how I interpret it because mm. a million different people have already done every interpretation. Of also, it. it's quite hard. Like often, I mean, yeah, I mean, with historical people every... and real people that I've lived often there's a lot more space between them being adapted to a stage whereas Jonathan yeah. Larson would literally experience something and then go write about it. I think is everything there is to say in depth about Rent has already been said. Yeah. You know, we're about 30 years too late. Gosh darn it. Um, <laughs> so all we can say is like, Rent is really good. And, you know, here's how it compares to other musicals. And here's what I, you know, I don't think I've ever seen an actual production of Rent. I've only ever seen the movie. I've no one does Rent anymore. That's what's really interesting to me about Rent. 
Nowhere does rent. Nowhere so does rent. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that when we get to our revive rent just so we can go see it. I right. think I need to see a live production. Synopsis. I can't go and watch the movie again. Synopsis. Oh my god. And then we can talk about why um, rent's never done. Jonathan Larson's Pulitzer Prize winning rock musical retelling of, Labo- of the Labalum story relocated to the AIDS era East Village, New York. A penniless songwriter's love for a young woman grows even grows even as illness begins so is now aspiring filmmaker Mark Cohen and so forth. The ending is transformed from the opera, but the theme of love striving to endure beyond all obstacles remains. Songs include Seasons of Love, Without You, Out Tonight, One Song Glory, I'll Cover You, and Santa Fe. I mean, a lot of this is relying on you knowing what the story of Lava Web is. Which I don't know many people do. I'm of an age where I work out what the story of Lava Web is based on what the story of Rent is. Yeah, unfortunately, I think I do kind of know it because I love opera. Um, (laughs) And I might have listened to it. <laughs> I don't actually remember if I know in depth. I'm kind of the same. I think I just know what level women. I just based know on what level women is, and also Mila Bridge is also based on level No, they put on their story Bohemian Rhapsody. Sorry, <laughs> guys. Sorry, Mila Bridge fans. No, we we looked into what Mila Bridge is about, and it is kind of funny. Um, but I don't get why Red is never done today. Why? I think it's... like when COVID, like the first week of COVID, everyone was like, "Can you imagine all the revivals of Rent that's about to happen when this is over?" Just don't do it. And then, and then none of them happened. No one does Rent. When was the last production of Rent on the West End? Twenty seventeen, oh. and it wasn't even on the West End. It was off West End. It yeah, it was done properly. It had like a big cast, and it was done at the other palace. Shocking. But it was called the Sh- Saint. Okay, J- so twenty twenty one, it did a twenty fifth anniversary US tour. Yeah, so it's constantly on tour. That's the thing with Rent. It's constantly on tour, but it 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 can't really stick a landing permanently anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Twenty sixteen, it did a UK tour. Twenty sixteen, yeah. we were twelve, mm. so we shouldn't, couldn't go see Rent. Shouldn't have been at Rent before that. It had a 2007 Western run. I was four, you were three, so we couldn't go see Red. Also, we'll talk about that in a moment, but that version of Red was weird. Yeah. And then it had a 2001 West End, we weren't born. 2001 UK tour, we weren't born. 1998 West End, we weren't born. born. Nowhere does Red. Nowhere does Red, and I don't get why. Like, I'm sure there are smaller productions of it, and that, that is fine. Um, I love seeing smaller productions of stuff. I would love to go and see a small production of Red. There just aren't any. No, it's inexpensive. And I do, I, I wonder if the fact that we've just lived through a pandemic is making people go, I don't really want to put on a musical about a pandemic. Yeah. Epidemic, sorry. I mean, but it's kind of... single musicals podcast has brought this up a million times already. There is a like, high school production of Rent that did Pink Eye instead of AIDS. I don't know that, actually. No, I've never heard oh, that. Every single musicals podcast has brought it up at some point. Really? But there is just like, I'm pretty sure there is. No, I remember watching like a compilation of these, like from some musical talk about it. And there was another one within Annie, um, where they did all of Annie exactly the same. And then at the end, they had Annie wake up from a dream, back in the orphanage. I, I actually, I've been thinking about run obviously quite a lot this week, and I've kind of yeah. come around to it because for a while I was like, it's just like, it's just like. It's kind of a bit outdated and it's kind of like a bit... I was being a bit pretentious about it. I was being a little pretentious bitch yeah. about it. Um, yeah. As is my 
I don't, I'm not going to say it's my right, but it's my impulse almost as someone who grew up in the shadow of the rent craze, if that... Yeah. Like, I've never um, lived without rent. Yes, like, I... I was like, oh, yeah, I like musicals. I like musicals. Oh, do you like rent? Oh, I mean, Seasons of Love. Seasons of Love. Um, I've mentioned a couple times that I used to sing inappropriate songs out of context, so they were made, like, appropriate for children, but, like, the second we'd look into it, it'd be like, what the hell's this? We would sing rent as children... I- and it wasn't Seasons of Love. I have no idea what song it was. I bet it was fucking like, um, Take Me and Leave Me. Or like, Out. <laughs> What's the one? The candle one. Will you like my candle? Yeah. I can see you doing that. Like, you're good to agree. Me? My mate, Toby? Yeah. I think, and I remember doing Will I, like, when I was a bit older. And I love the song. I, I think it's an incredible song. And you can tell it comes from such a place of love and understanding, that song. Yeah. And it's so beautiful, the way it builds. Yeah. I think the thing is with Rent, this is going to sound not bad, but, like, weird. Yeah, so No one really talks about AIDS anymore. It's not as prominent in our culture. Yeah. It's yeah. not, like, a big crisis anymore. Thankfully. It's not, like, it's a big breakthrough that it's being solved. Yeah, 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 yeah. No one really talks about it, so... And Rent, like, the song Will I, like, I know I said that thing about, oh, there was a high school production of Pink Eye. You could not sing Will I and have yeah. an entire audience believe you are singing about Pink Eye. Yes, or, like, yes, COVID or yeah. anything like that. There's not really a way to modernise it. And I don't think it needs to be modernised. I don't think any musical ever, like, Oklahoma it did a really good job at somewhat modernising it. Yeah. It felt fresh. It, it wasn't that, a whole new story. It was fresh. There's a difference between feeling fresh and, like, modernising it. And Rent was already a period piece when it came out because it was set in like the eighties. It was set in the late eighties and yeah. came out in the late nineties. By the time Rent came out, because uh, there was a delay in regular pop culture and regular mainstream culture, from my understanding, about wanting to talk about AIDS, yeah. and so Rent kind of met that moment of like, oh, we want to talk about AIDS now. Here's a musical about that. Again, I feel like there's not a lot to say for us because I can't be like, here's how AIDS helped me. Like, here's how you know, yeah, AIDS of like. I said that wrong. I said, here's how AIDS helped me. <laughs> I meant to say, here's how rent helped me. Or here's how AIDS affected me. Yeah. But I was born in 2003. <laughs> By the time I was, like, conscious um, of life, mm. we were pretty far past the point of AIDS, or at least past the point where, like, people were talking about it to a, like, five-year-old. Past the point where people were like, AIDS is not a death sentence anymore at the time it was. not, And it wasn't even when... Rent was being performed for the first times because they have ACT, which is what Mimi and Roger are both on. But I think, like, like, I'm I'm going back to Will I because I think go ahead. It's a good song. It's a great. Might be my favorite song. I think just because it is a very very beautiful song. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of how it sounds, I'm also going to say right now again, I've only ever seen the movie, (laughs) and I do like the movie. I actually really enjoy the movie. Okay, for once, Nell's not insane for thinking the movie's good. The movie is pretty good, but I I like how they do it in the movie, with yeah. them the camera going round and round this little support group, and more of them disappear. That's um, a good moment, and I like the way it reflects in the song of less people singing. But I think it's like that song, even if it's being like written and performed after the worst of the AIDS crisis passed. Yeah, it's still talking about the stigma because even now, yes, yeah, 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 there's like a stigma about AIDS. Mm. Like, I don't know, growing up, I had, there were boys who were like, oh my god. I'm like, you, you still get to be like, that's AIDS. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And like boys I knew growing up would do that kind of shit. Like there's always been a thing that it's bad. Well, yeah. not to the extent that there was in the like eighties and nineties. I think Will I really does that well. Because it the whole song is not, oh my god, what if I die? What if yeah. I die? It's like, will I lose my dignity? Will someone care? And I think I love the line, will I lose my dignity? Because at the end of the day, like I think that's what's so hard harsh about a condition like AIDS that if left untreated, like you lose stuff yeah. quite slowly almost. And it's so that's yeah. that's deterioration, your health. Um, one I think one criticism that's been lobbed at rent is why don't they just pay rent? I feel like that's not the kind of focus of the musical. It's not, but like, you know, when nitpicky, like, people are like trying to be edgy and they're like, why don't they just like pay Benny oh, their I saw money? someone being like, uh, yeah, Benny gave him a really good deal. <laughs> I was like, why are we sticking up for landlords, guys? First of all, well, it's like, that's like the principle of it, you know? Mm. It's like, that's why you get like, People who refuse to pay rent and do like sit-ins and like squatters. Rent. In the UK at the moment, uh, or last year, sorry, Manchester University did a big rent strike against yeah, like their student halls. But my uni as well did a squatted in a building that was going to be demolished. I and also like checking what the plot of the Bohem is. If your friend is letting you not pay rent, and then suddenly like, lol, I've married a rich girl, pay me money, I'd be pissed. Yeah. I'd be burning shit saying I'm not going to pay rent. My God. <laughs> I'm just reading the synopsis of Love of Women. It is, it is it's just rent. It is rent. Oh my God. The candle. Wow. But, but the big difference is Mimi doesn't die at the end. Yeah. Like, okay, there's a bit in the book. I don't... It's been a while since I've watched rent. Is, is Benny married in rent? Benny gets married, but like his wife is never on stage. She's just talked about. I think her name's yeah. like Alison. Because there's this thing which is basically, I, I think, again, this does kind of come through in rent very as much as well. But the whole point is at the beginning, the reason why it's about rent is that it's these this group of people who are struggling to have any money. Mm. They finally get a bit of money because a guy was paid to play his violin to a parrot until it died, which is stupid and <laughs> ridiculous. And who the hell has the kind of money to pay someone to do that? Well, it's like, it's like when, um, oh my God. So Angel, he uh, is gets paid to murder a dog and the dog is implied to be Benny's wife's dog. There's like those things. And that's why it's she's like not at just... the protest is because she's mourning her dog that Benny killed, that Angel killed. But you get this kind of, you're meant to immediately see that there's a difference between how these people are getting their money, which mm. is that someone is able to pay them to do this ridiculous stuff. Yes. And then the second they get this money, their landlord turns up yes. and says, give me the money. You need to pay me. And they talk to him. And in, again, I don't remember if this happens as explicitly in Rent. Yeah. But in Love of Worm, he talks about how he's just gotten married. Yes, yes, yes. yes. He got married for um, months ago. Because of the yeah, mother. he just got married. You know, he has a very nice house and he's yes. able to be a landlord yeah and he has this very different life from them even though they know each other in rent it's like that it's it's you'll see the the song where he's like you'll see like it'll be i'm a landlord now but don't worry it's all good we're all good you just have to pay me money you know you have to take a stand against something is may it may as well be paying rent to people who don't need it yeah my landlord owns three different houses and she's jacking up our rent housing needs to be done away with it's yeah horrific I should not be paying as much as I am to for a mouldy flat. Anyway, 
Well, sometimes it's like, I, know, no. again, I, I don't want to get too into like, here's my interpretation of this plot because everyone has already done it and has already done it a million times better than I'll be able to. Yeah. With Rent, though, in Rent, like, they've just got married and the part that always, like, I'm always like, huh, I, I need to go back to that, is because it's implied that Mimi and Benny were together until, like, very recently. And then I was like, but Benny's married and got all this cash. Wow. <laughs> so I looked into it. Um, he got he got married very quickly for the money, and then cheats on his wife with Mimi, and then it's implied that his wife finds out, and then stops paying Mimi's rehab. Yeah, which is just rude. Yeah, like even in the synopsis, it's like their friend Benny, who has since become their harsh new landlord. Yeah, he goes back with an earlier agreement and now demands last year's rent. Mm. Yes, yeah, so- shutting down their electrical power, which is why they have all of the candles. Like my candle. It's coming back to me. It is crazy just how much happens in like the first few songs. Oh yeah. So if I'm being really nitpicky and if I have a criticism of rent, it's that so much happens in the first act and then kind of nothing really happens in the second. Yeah. Like Angel dies and obviously it's very sad. And Mark and Roger sit around and talk about selling out. Okay, again, also, Benny arrives. Speaking of Maureen's upcoming protest against his plans to evict the homeless from a lot where he is hoping to build a cyber art studio. Yes. And everyone's like, that's just Maureen more that's just Maureen's performance space. That's why she wants she doesn't want the homeless people to be evicted. And it's like, no. Benny offers that if they can successfully convince Maureen to cancel the protest, Mark and Roger can officially remain rent-free tenants. But they say no. And he leaves and sings, You'll see. Yeah. Thank God. I think oh, then they sing Tango Maureen, great song. Oh, fucking love Tango Maureen. Flew over the moon. Whatever the hell that's Maureen's performance art. Hilarious. Intentionally or not, hilarious. And the song La Viva Web slaps. Oh my god, it goes so hard. At the end of the act, Joanne, ex- Joanne explains that Mark and Roger's building has been padlocked and yes. a riot has broken out. And then at the start of act after Seasons of Love. I always forget that Seasons of Love is just the weirdest placement. I believe it do at the beginning of the movie, and then again later. Yeah, because at the movie they have to play it. That, that makes sense. I'm like, ah, oh, it's an opener. It's not. It's not. The opener is a voicemail. The opener is someone going, yeah. Mark, are you alive? Come on. It's like, they have like two, a ton of voicemails. Yeah. Yeah, they break into the apartment. That's, yeah, that's that's a happy new year. The others finally break through the door just as Benny arrives, saying he wants to call the truce and revealing that Mimi, a former girlfriend of his, convinced him to change his mind. Yeah, and then there's, like, a whole back and forth about, like, whether or not Mimi, at, like, slept with Benny. Yeah. Even though she's kind of with Roger, even though they've been together two weeks. It's quite hard to convey these very complex characters through song, so well done. Okay, Collins is forcibly removed from the church for being unable to pay for Angel's funeral. Yeah. But Benny, Benny shows compassion by paying. Yeah. Oh, I'll cover you reprise. Oh my god. Stop. Bodies me every single time. Benny's I've also wife, discovering that. Benny's past relationship with Mimi has pulled him out of the East Village. Yeah. It's a crazy plot, but it really works. Yeah, when you're like, I was listening to the live version because um the original Broadway cast recording is not available on Spotify in the UK for some reason. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I was like thinking that, and I was like, this is this is insane. Another, if I had to be nitpicky about rent, is the whole selling out debate that rent mm. seems to have. 
And I think Mark is obviously the one where it's like, is Mark going to sell his footage to some like ditzy news publication? I don't know whether or not Benny is supposed to always contrast that and be like an example of what selling out looks like and why they're so against it. I don't know. I think it's something, a big thing is that they're meant to be, I don't know if anarchist is quite the right word, but they're very close. One of them I think is literally an anarchist. Because he yeah, keeps getting uh, Collins, he keep, Collins a gay anarchist, gay professor. anarchist professor who keeps getting fired from high institutions for giving <laughs> yeah. out free money. Like it's great. I'm back on this thing about people being like, why don't they just pay the rent? The whole reason it's called rent is because so much shit is happening to them. Yeah, and despite all of it, they're still being asked to pay someone. <laughs> yeah, they're friends. Like they're multiple friends. people die. Okay, yeah. actually no, one person dies. Maybe almost friendly. dies. Someone else almost dies. Half like, of them have AIDS and half are of them suffering have, from it. Yeah. They can't find steady work or the work they can do, they won't do out of a moral like obligation. obligation. Yeah. They're all suffering. And then their old friend who had promised them to be rent free. They're like savior. You need to situation. pay me for all of last year. <laughs> Years worth of rent just sat around. Like, Jesus. And it's meant like Again, I don't want to comment too much about what Rent is about. <laughs> but it is very much just a criticism of society. It is, yeah. And I feel like you see that now. Like, how can you see all of the shit going on in the world? Mm. Do all that, and then get up in the morning and go to a job. Or get up in the morning and pay your rent. Yeah. You know? How yeah. can you just keep on being normal when yeah. everything is like everything is going wrong? Yeah. You know? I think like that kind of sentiment never really goes away. There is always something happening, whether it's the AIDS crisis, when they were saying um, Vietnam, mm. like COVID, I guess. I, yeah. that, I, I guess like Afghanistan and the Iraq war in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, COVID, Ukraine, Palestine. Literally anything that's been happening in the past four years. Yeah. Like, I... Even stuff like, like global warming is an overarching thing. Oh yeah, I like I can't guess. think about global warming. It, I would, no. I would literally cease to function. There was this book we read in primary school. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was set after the sea level had risen so much. Cheering, I know. And it was about this girl who was living in like, oh my god, where was she? she was in like Norwich or something. <laughs> and she had to, she had to get in a boat and sail to like Chichester. What the hell? And basically the only places that were still standing were like cathedrals because they were so tall and even they were like partially submerged. And it freaked me out so much. I was like, oh my God, we're going to have to sail to Chichester. (laughs) Fuck, I have to go to Chichester? And I think you can tell that there's such a deep understanding of what their lives are because they are real people. And I think anyone else who wasn't in a position where where they weren't living and working and being among these people daily would have really struggled to make a musical as feel as authentic as this does yeah like I think like again I think you see everything about what Jonathan Larson was trying to say about society reflected in every event like we just said it neither yeah. like that theatre has a very different feel yeah from, like every other theatre on Broadway I yeah, cause... where the fuck was it on the West End uh Shaftesbury and then Shaftesbury and then the one where Book of Mormon currently is. Prince of Wales. Yeah. Okay. 1998, Shaftesbury. Mm-hmm. 2007, Red no. Remix. Oh, yeah. The Duke go- of York. Yeah. 
all big like traditional houses the original one you see like it's a different style of theater you see the prices are are lower even i guess then for what was maybe normal yeah no they are lower than normal because i remember when we were doing phantom we were looking into like what is an expensive ticket and like the most expensive one for rent was still significantly less yeah like all of that kind of stuff it's meant for like everyday people you know mm. and maybe that's why they never put it on anymore <laughs> well because fit is too elitist them to fully put I mean, on rent afford a like 300 pound ticket to go and sit front row at rent yeah they're not gonna understand they're not gonna fully get rent no exactly they're like mm, that was such a good musical mm. you know? anyway off to go be a landlord anyways I collect my rent. <laughs> Benny is the best character. <laughs> Guys, I really like that Benny guy. But that guy. Also about like when how he paid that angel's funeral. Wow. Oh, he was such a, what a nice guy. Charity, charitable man. No. One important thing is that like it was a lot of these actors' Broadway debuts. A lot of them had actually been moving in circles as their real life characters had. Yeah. Um. Just, yeah. That's the thing as well. Like. We were talking, I don't know, for like 20 minutes, it feels like, about like down-to-earth 90s musicals. Yeah. And going back and forth between saying musicals and Rent, yeah. the single musical. But I feel like like everything you talk about with Rent, you get why it kind of defined the like, era as being a like, down-to-earth musical. It was so emblematic of like of what was actually happening in people's lives in a way that musical theatre had really failed to capture in years. Since her. Yeah. Well, then I, get, I think you do kind of... Like, to talk about the other musicals that are compared to, like, Rent and Hair, like, Hamilton. Yeah. I think you do kind of get that. It, well, I know we've done a whole episode on Hamilton. No, and again, no. I still don't think that was even enough. No, that's stuff I still that haven't said. Guess, like, it feels weird to say we haven't talked enough about Hamilton, but I'm really struggling to talk about Rent. How, yeah. Hamilton, like, the sound is so different from other musical, other musicals, especially at the time. Yeah, and it resonated more with what was popular at the time. And having it brought new sound to Broadway. Yeah, having an in- almost entirely non-white cast. Yeah, or at least non-white pr- principal cast. Apart from the it was very different but... to what you. Yeah, and, so that kind of makes sense in the storyline. Yeah. And I mean, it's very different to what you normally see on Broadway. For the nineties, Rent was diverse. Could it yeah. be more diverse? But musical theatre fans, how I put this? The worst. No. <laughs> A large percentage of them mm. are not like they're not like upper class like cis hat people, you know, like white. yeah, 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 yeah. But generally, when you look at musicals, that is the kind of representation you're getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? And yeah. Rent is very different to that, and Hamilton is very different to that, and uh, in the Heights, I guess, in the Heights, hair, like all of that stuff is all very different to kind of general demographic you will see on Broadway. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it more reflects the actual fans. Yeah, I like that that's never been lost in any translation of Rent, and if anything, it's become more diverse as time has gone on. Yeah. And there's a whole other discussion that I don't feel qualified to get into about colorblind casting in there. Um, yeah. And even that, that term, but I'm, I'm not qualified, so there's a discussion. Like, there's a debate to be had. Um, like, yeah, there's a reason why Seasons of Love comes on and everyone goes, Ah, great song. <laughs> you know the feeling those seasons, like the opening seasons of love. Ah, it was like that joke in theatre camp where you know when they're like, "Hey, theatre kids, they're they're, 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 they're social." Those girls who just slapped each other. 
and they're like, hey, theatre kids, I hear you guys really like this one. And I'm like, it's going to be seasons of love. It's going to be seasons of love. We <laughs> <laughs> were talking about, like, come from away. And yeah. we were like, oh, I don't know. I think it's just different for us because we've never lived in a pre-9-11 world. Yeah, we've never lived in a pre-rent world. We've never lived in a pre-rent world. So I don't know how to be like, this is this changed musical theatre. This is genre I can't say that about because, like, I love I was that. I was yeah, on the front I line. love musicals before Hamilton. I love musicals after Hamilton. Yeah. So I feel fine saying this changed musicals. I can see how it changed musicals. Like, really looking at it in this way, I can see how it changed musicals. I but, can't tell you the minutiae way of people, like, talking about it and all that sort of yeah. stuff. There are people who, that I'm sure there are articles, I'm sure there are, like, people who will talk about how rent changed musical theatre. I, 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 I can't be one of them because oh. I don't know. <laughs> I can tell you vaguely, but, like, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a moment. Um, rent heads. Rent heads. I found a very interesting article talking about them, um, which I would I would say people should go read it in its entirety, but we'll get to that once we do the Tony Awards. I, so don't know. Don't... I think Rent was very good. Mm. I think it defined the 90s in terms of musical. It showed yeah. what a musical can be instead of what was like traditional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish they would do a production of it so I could go and see it properly instead of just re-watching the movie. So, Tony Awards. It would be nominated for Best Actor for Alan Pascal, Best Actress for Daphne Ruben Vega, Best Featured Actress, Actor, sorry, I wrote that down wrong, for Wilson Jermaine Heredia, for Best Best Featured Actress for Idina Menzel, Best Book for Jonathan Larson, Best Choreography for Miles Yerby. Uh, best director for Michael Grice and best musical. It best musical, win. best book, and best featured actress. I'm just gonna and best featured actress. I know didn't win score. Sorry, I didn't write that down wrong. It's like that feels very wrong. But look what it was up against. Big bring, bring the noise. Bring the noise. Bring in defunct and then state fair. Why were Rogers and Hammerstein being nominated for best original score in the nineties, guys? It's the first time it's being produced. Yeah, probably. I want to see what this bringing the noise thing is because it's winning a lot of awards. It, it's I've looked at it. I can tell you. What was it? The fiftieth Tony Awards. Uh, bring in the noise. Bring in the funk is a musical venue telling story through tap of Black history from slavery to the present. The musical numbers are presented along with uh super titles, protected images, and videotapes continuing memorially. Oh, okay. That does actually sound like sick. That sounds really interesting. It does. Did it win best choreography? Yeah, 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 yeah. I get why it did. I can. Un- I guess yeah. I could understand that. If it's like a choreograph choreography heavy show, then sure. Red has no yeah. choreography. It does. You know, I've never heard of this before. That's kind of no, nor have I. It's very. It seems like it held its own against Red. It's like not been performed since. No, it did like a national tour and that was it. Yeah, it toured in like 2002 um, and that was it. Yeah, so it won Best Musical, Best Score, Best Book, and Best Featured Actor for Wilson Jermaine Haranda, who was. Oh, oh no, it was Angel, sorry. That feels right. So kind of crazy that Roger didn't yeah, win. Yeah, Roger leading. didn't win leading. Um, Mimi didn't win leading. Who did they lose to? Donna Murphy and Nathan Lane. Checks out. Oh, that was the year Julie Andrews did, declined a nomination and Adina Menzel lost to. Oh, was that up against. I was up against a revival of company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Companies is company 17. Rent heads. So I went to the to the great place of Urban Dictionary find a definition. Again, I wasn't there, so I couldn't tell you. 
Rentheads, according to Urban Dictionary, are a redhead means someone who really likes the musical Rent, usually found rushing to get $20 front row tickets, and many have seen the show a hundred, even thousands of times. Because I feel like I've seen a photo of like people let, lined up to go and like try and buy tickets to Rent. That's an image of my brain. Rentheads are the living, breathing affirmation of why Rent exists, said Jeffrey Sal, one of the show's New York, uh, one of the show's producers where people like it's it it's like ha- like the way we think about it is like how teams like the way that they got into it yeah. it's so incredibly different however there was this very interesting write-up in the wall street journal about some guy at the end of rent's broadway run revisiting the phenomena of redheads and it's mm. very interesting so i'm just gonna read an excerpt he's basically talking about like the decrypt the very intense poverty that these characters have found themselves in mm. i mean rent doesn't glamorize it that's one thing that does yeah. well. It doesn't glamorize it. It just shows their life. To whatever long for those days, evidently hordes of young Rent fans who for the past 12 years have been cheering, even fetishizing the show's depiction of young love, downtown creativity, and urban grudge. Rent heads and the most zealous fans call themselves, boast about seeing the show 7 or 12 or 20 times. Rent closes its Broadway run in September. So it seems good to ask why so many people, large numbers of them young enough to have been in Little League during the period described, are so moved by a city defined by drugs, AIDS, and crime. Rent is still a fantasy, which ironically helps uh, explain the appeal of its miserable settings. Fans appear to be from mostly middle-class suburban kids whose parents have been priced out of a decent life in Manhattan and now increasingly Brooklyn. May see themselves as outsiders. At least one judges the message boards where they are saying goodbye to the show. For them, the city represents a romantic adventure, uh, that their own comfortable lives lack. Muggings, disease, and poverty are not depictions to be gentrified. They are stuff of authentic experience and a kind of outbound for the suburban crowd. I think that's really interesting. I really thought that was an interesting... Because it's, it's no knock against Rent. It's just saying Rent does a good job at describing why... I'm describing the crepid poverty that these people are finding themselves in. So why are people romanticising it in a way? Yeah. It's the same, it's not exactly the same, but it's the same, like, when people see talented fans, like, writing fanfics and drawing yeah. fan art of, like, slave owners and the family yeah, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. like, that is weird. Mm. It's similar to that, where you're like, why, like, you're making these real people who are slave owners. Yeah. Out to be your little baby girls. Yeah. It's like, he and baby. Yeah. It's like... It's nice to know like, that fandom's been doing that for a while. Oh, yeah. I, I get what the article's saying though, about being like, these people... I was having a conversation with my sister about Saltburn. Oh my god, yeah. Um, I've not seen Saltburn, but I kind of want to see it. It's pretty good. I have actually seen it. Um, I watched it with her. There's a big thing about particularly the classified in Britain in Saltburn. Yeah, yeah. And I guess Rent does a similar-ish thing like the US where it's not entirely but it's these people who in reality are probably closer to being the Bennies. Yeah, 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 yeah. When they're they're maybe not entirely like upper class, like millionaires rich. Yeah. Like House in the Hamptons kind of rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they live comfortably, but they want the adventure of the lower class where they're like, oh I could just, you know, go out all night and I could live with all of my friends and like a little apartment that's not and that we nice can like all of our memories in it. We can like sing Lobby Bowem and Susan the Blood. Yeah. And I don't care about getting hypothermia. Like I won't yeah. 
That'll be fine because I won't pay my rent. Yeah, I'm just like not gonna pay my rent. I guess like they're saying those kids will be young. Mm. Like <laughs> being being in little league <laughs> when the actual yeah. period was happening. Yeah, they're not getting the message. They don't get rent, but they claim to get rent. Whereas we're like, I don't get rent. Rent's not for me to get, really. Yeah. I, t- I'm just, I understand to an extent what it's saying. Yeah. You know, what it's set out to do. It doesn't apply to me because I don't live like that. I don't, I don't live in that time period or in that area. The Lower East Side, like, I, I, yeah, I once stayed in the hotel on the Lower East Side. It's a completely different place. It's, it's so sanitized and New York City as a whole. We're actually gonna talk about this next week. <laughs> Believe it or not. Oh my god, yeah. Um, New York City as a whole has gone through so through such like a sanitization in in the last 20, 30 years since rent came out, really. Because now we would never see a Broadway theater sit dark for five, ten years. Like even yeah. that as a whole. I think it's like people see like suburbia as like dull, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess to an extent we get that. Like we grew up in the suburbs of London. Yeah. But I to us, it was like it was dull. A kid got stabbed outside our school. It wasn't dull. Guys, um our sub like our suburbia in London is quite different from suburbia outside of London or even in like America. That's probably how to describe like, it. You see it's dull and so this idea of like all living day to day, like you never know what's gonna happen is exciting. It's and I get dull. that. Like to an extent, like I it, it's not. But I get yeah. why it seems it. You know, I get the when impulse. I was like Thirteen. My God, I was dreaming about living in a shitty little apartment in Manhattan with my friends. <laughs> it's not. I'm I get the impulse, but especially in a city that was changing so greatly. Yeah. Around this time, and I mean, where we live has changed considerably since when we were like when we were younger. I mean, even five, ten years ago, it looks completely unrecognizable than it does now. Oh, yeah, and um, I sent you a video of someone being like, "Here's what an old like, sh- here's what an old thing used to look like," and I sent it to you. and I was like, "I genuinely thought I dreamed this place." I I forgot about that until you sent it. I was like, "What the hell?" And it unlocks it unlocks yeah. some weird memory, and it's like it's like that feeling of everything's changing all the time, but you can't really place your finger on how. Yeah, and I don't know. I like our school built a new building in the first year we were there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like it took them like three I, years I, to get that building up. Oh, it took them fucking forever. But is I don't remember that first building that well. But if you show no. me a picture of it, I'd be like, oh my god. Like if if I if I could like if if the same scent came, I'd be like, oh, very viscerally. Yeah. And so I I get the impulse of people who lived that experience and connected with run so viscerally because of that to almost protect it from these people who rent is almost encounter to because as as i've as we've spoken about rent was the real life experiences of jonathan larson it was the real life experiences of, of his friends and his community and always for it then to be i don't want to say co-opted that feels wrong i get what you mean though like i don't know if you, we grew up like watching youtubers and yes yeah I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna live like in a house with all my friends, and we're gonna like hang out with each other all the time. And it's gonna be like, and it's gonna LA. be like, it's gonna be a plain white house with pops of color. Yeah, and they're gonna be like mid green. Yeah, it's gonna be like mid green, and we're all gonna have EOS, and we're all gonna like shop at Bath and Body Works, you know, that kind of life. I don't know. You co-opt that kind of stuff. Yeah, you co-opt what's around you to some extent. And I don't know. I think the thing is, and I assume 
Jonathan Larson must have, ex- maybe not expected it, but known to an extent that if you write your own experiences into a fictional story, yeah, people are going to take those experiences for themselves. Yeah, I think that's where like Rebs can kind of get hard and difficult is because we don't know what he would have thought about any of this. We don't know what his feelings yeah. are towards any of this. Yeah. And so there is kind of no authority for it because I think, again, going back to the Hamilton comparison where Lynn almost in some respect like got involved in fandom in some way. And it's why, this is completely off topic, but you know when like singers, like just general like mainstream singers, Mm-hmm. And I have a specific one in mind talking about this, but I won't say it. <laughs> but they'll write about that, like, as every singer does, they'll write about their own experiences into a song. Yeah. For example, maybe they'll write something that is very blatantly about their issues with, like, eating and body weight. Yeah. And if you write that into a song, and then you release that song, and you're already an established singer, yeah you have to you know objectively to some extent that people are going to take that and infer stuff about you yeah and so when fans are like um no 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 you cannot you're making this up you know you can't delve into their personal lives mm. i said it like, I used this i'm making this bit up entirely but you'll see singers like write lines like yeah i'm you know I tried to kill myself, and I hate myself, and I hate, you know, my life. I think, like, I, I know. Fans be like, you can't say that they tried to kill themselves or hate their wife. I think because that's delving into their personal life. I mean, Taylor Swift fandom has been in the mainstream news for what's acceptable to say about her and what's not. Oh yeah, I'm not, not going to get into that because I don't want but, to. Like, again, um, but like between like Taylor Swift writing Betty, yeah, she is not. I don't even fucking remember his name. Um, James. James. She is not James writing yeah. about his girlfriend, you know, Betty. Yeah. She's Taylor Swift. This didn't say like. But no, even like. Swift is a lesbian. Even and like. Her like mother shows she was in love with Joe Alwyn for at least a little bit. <laughs> and I mean, like, even like her more confessional stuff, like, I think. Like, like... I don't know. There's a difference between saying. Which, you know, interrupting the line. Sometimes I think about jumping off of very tall somethings. <laughs> I'd be like, maybe she was suicidal. Because the song called Lavender Haze, Lavender is associated with gay people. Taylor Swift is gay. <laughs> she writes about a hairpin dropping. She's gay. Versus, versus um, I've loved you three summers now, darling. I want them all. I don't know. I feel like. <laughs> it's a weird discussion to get Definitely. into from talking about rent. Definitely, no, but... definitely, definitely. Like I think rent has experienced death of the author in like yeah. the most fullest extent. The only one like I can see it the extent being met is like my brilliant friend. Um, which is one of the things I love about it. People are weird. People interpret stuff however they want, and so, I think you know you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to take a song and be like, "This is what I think about. This is how I relate it to me and like mm. my life." But there's a difference in doing that and saying this is what it means about the author. Yes. Yeah. Which I don't think rent fans do, by the way. I'm like, sure like we got very of... off topic. I'm sure like some I'm of sure them have. There's like but... ten out there that do. Yeah. But generally speaking, they're not listening to rent and being like, I want to live like this. And therefore Jonathan Larson, I don't know, had AIDS. No one is saying that. 
if it if it if Brent were to come out today and have the same response, people well, they probably that. would. But <laughs> but I'm so glad we're we're not in that stage anymore because that would have been hell. You know, people these days I think are more insane than they were back then. <laughs> yeah, you would get people saying very proudly and would make whole accounts about delegated. Oh, Jonathan we're not talking about AIDS. fandom and AIDS. We're not talking. Ren is very serious, and Jonathan Lawson's death. Jonathan Lawson's death is very sad and very tragic, and we shouldn't joke about. We're it. not joking about it. We're joking about but idiots. Fandoms. We're talking about fandoms and not Jonathan Lawson. He was a very smart, very talented man. R.I.P. Yeah, legend. Anyway. I would love to see Brent someday. Plagiarism concerns. Oh, God. So, Lynn Thompson claimed partial ownership of Brent, and she sued the Jonathan Larson estate twice. They did reach a settlement um, for an undisclosed amount of money with credit as a dramaturg on the title page of the playbill. In the court suit papers, it said that Brent would make $250 million over its lifespan for the Larson estate. Jesus. I guess I can see why. You can see why. Um, I think the vibe I get. Don't no one fact check me on this. I just, I, I, I just, I think Julie, his sister's whole career now is managing the Larson estate, yeah. and she's doing a great job. Uh, tick tick boom. She was producer on that. Very good work. I think the thing as well that you have to acknowledge when talking about like how much money rent is making is it's not just how much rent the musical is making yeah it's the fact that to an extent the success of rent has led into the success of tick tick boom and then making a movie out yes of it. Yeah, yeah yeah and like that kind of stuff thompson was originally paid two thousand dollars for her work but like it was when it was like a little little yeah. new york city center thing it was and if rent wants to make this 250 million they should put on another production <laughs> i want to see it <laughs> um I will exchange. You can have the Fortune Theatre, <laughs> but on a production of Rent, there um, you could have. You could take back the Shaftesbury. Speaking of which, no, it we've not seen it. We don't want to. Um, it would open on the West End on the twenty third of May nineteen ninety eight, and it would end its run on the thirtieth of October nineteen ninety nine at the Shaftesbury. Shaftesbury was always a weird place for Rent to be. It. Yeah, didn't mesh in my mind. Again, I feel like we should. You know what? No West End run. Uh huh. Let's get it into the Wembley Troubadour. Oh yeah, I think we could go there. We could go there. I Once, I would I would go to Wembley for that. Yeah, I go to Wembley. Once Starlight Express. We're going to Wembley anyways because we're seeing oh, yeah. Starlight Express. Yeah, remember? Obviously. Once that's out, let's put Rent there. Yeah, it would do really well. I there. could see it at like maybe the Donmar. I've not been to the Donmar in probably about. 10 years uh, i think i didn't even go properly then it could run but... the Donmar. yeah it could again they would do the front of the theater for 20 pounds tickets and it would only last 18 months before closing yeah it would then return to the west end in 2002 at the prince of wales again another massive theater and then again it would come back so it's been on the west end and closed and open on the west end three times during the during its broadway run which is kind of insane to think about it would come back again in 2007 with something called rent revisited revised which got horrific reviews at one star from the guardian the three main characters english expats in new york it's again with that thing a fresh take is fun yeah I don't think in 2007 Rent needed a fresh take. No. 
and also like that fundamentally change it's like it's like when it's like fundamentally changing the source material yeah you're not changing it legally but you're changing it i guess i i can understand i guess if ren had already opened and closed twice yeah you could be like "Mm, this isn't resonating with english audiences yeah maybe we need an english character sure but we love americans acting strange on stage oh, no. who did they make english i think it's really hard to tell i think it might have been like i think it was like roger maureen Mimi, angel and mark were british songs were reordered and featured radically rearranged versions of out tonight today for you over the moon and happy new year jesus christ that sounds insane but okay like Mimi, angel and mark is british Seems a bit stupid. I could see maybe Denny as British because he's not in it as much. Yeah, Maureen. I could, I could, I could buy Maureen. Joanne. Maybe even Joanne. I get. I think maybe the kind of like three principles. Leave him alone. Yeah, I guess. I guess the problem with making Benny British, what people had worries about when Hamilton came to the UK. Yeah, which is like kind of the villain. Yeah, but we we love King George. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just again, I can't talk for what the kind of again two thousand seven. I was like three or four. Mm. I can't talk about the kind of vibe was like the cultural vibe. Yeah. Yeah, for like musicals on the West End at the time. But bring it back now, we'd go see it. Yeah, I. I, I wonder if you could really beef it up and maybe play like the Palladium over the summer or something like that. I feel like, again, though, you're kind of torn between two. Again, do you do a really stripped back reduction, make it very cheap to put on so you can keep tickets cheap? Yeah. Or because it's Rent the musical, mm. do you really, again, beef it up, hike the ticket prices up and put it, like you said, like in the Palladium? Or even in the criteria. Again, no disrespect to two strangers. So for the criterion. Yeah. Get them on the phone. Yeah. No disrespect to two strangers, but the criterion is not good for lasting. No, I it's a limited run. It yeah. Two strangers is a limited run. But as we've seen with the West End scape right now, limited run (laughs) is absolutely fuck all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Time Travel's wife is not saying that they're closing, they're saying that they're now a limited run. So stupid. So fucking stupid, man. In 2017, uh, for the 20th anniversary, it returned to the St. James Theatre. And I was like, where's St. James Theatre? I was like, oh, it's the other palace. Uh, likely place for rent to be. Although it's before it was like its whole like mission statement of being a place for new works. So I was like, yeah, I can see how yeah. it went there. There have been many tours. It had been on many tours across the US, with the most recent one being in 2021 for the 25th anniversary. Do you know how long it took me to like fully understand how they name their tours in the US? Yeah, they just name it after a character, don't they? Alphabetically. So the first Hamilton tour is the Angelica tour. The second one is, it might be the Burr tour, but I don't know if that's... It is the Burr tour. And that makes sense because the sixth, it's like the Aragon tour and the Berlin tour. Yeah, the first Rent tour was Benny the angel tour the oh, second yes. one was the Benny if because <laughs> the thing that's yeah. different between like the US and the UK is that like the UK stuff doesn't tour for long in 2005 they would make a movie version with many of the original cast coming back 
movie versions are often their own beasts, so I don't really like to talk about them much in the middle of the episode, if that makes sense. Many of these movies could be their own episodes. It was uh, after 12 years and 5,000 shows, it would close, not before being filmed twice on the 20th of August, and then the final show, the 7th of September. This pro shot is not widely available in the UK. Put that out there. Um, at the time, it would be the seventh longest running Broadway show in history, um, and it is currently the 11th running, longest running show in history. The cast would include Will Chase, Renee Elise Goldberry, Eden Espinosa, uh, Michael McElroy, Adam Candle, Justin Johnson, and Rodney Hicks. Big celebration. I was reading a write-up of it in the New York Times, and they kept going on about how Pen Badley and Blake Lively were there, and I was like, oh, Gossip Girl, 2008. Makes sense. I like the fact that they did film it. They were like, this is kind of iconic, we need to film this. I like the fact that they filmed it, and it's always nice to have a final performance on film. A pro shot like Rent is never going to have issues being picked up, no. Mm. Uh, it would play the Hollywood Bowl in, 2000, in August of 2010 with an insane cast. Nicole Scherzinger is Mimi. No, with Maureen, sorry. Neil Patrick Harris, Aaron Tveit, Skylar Astin, Vanessa Hudgens, Wayne Barry, uh, Tracy Toms, and Kelly Lung. That is pretty dumped. Um, There's a school version of Rent. Oh, as the pink discussed. eye one. The pink eye. No, there's an actual version of Rent. Uh, PG-13, which gets rid of the crude language, is available. was available from 2008 with the Broadway producer saying it makes me feel good to know that Jonathan Larson's dream of making theatre for young people has been met. Just nice. I like that. Do I think kids should be performing rent? Yeah. No. Should they know of rent? Yeah. Don't think they should be doing out tonight. I love that song. Don't think they should be doing it. So it would go back off Broadway in 2011 with Michael Greff returning to redirect. But it would close. It wouldn't it would it would last a lot longer than I thought it did. It lasted over a year with four hundred and fifty performances. Good for them. We've briefly talked about this, but here's a quote from Lynn talking about how Rent was the greatest thing he's ever seen in his whole entire life. Um, more than anything, it gave me permission to write about my community, Miranda wrote in the New York Times. I grew up in a predominantly Spanish speaking neighborhood in Upper Manhattan that burst in music and characters, and Rent whispered to me, Your stories are just as valid as the ones in the shows you've seen. Then he saw Tick Tick Boom a couple of years later and it grabbed the 21 year old and refused to let him go. That's what I mean by, like, you know, people are going to interpret them their own way. Because Rent yeah. isn't particularly about Spanish speaking neighborhoods. So no. But if that's what you, you know, it's not I a think, bad thing that that's what you take from it. I think the slice of life aspect of it must have been awoken something in him to go, oh, let me just, like, yeah. write about my life. I think it's also what we were saying earlier, that it's not the typical demographic you see portrayed on stage. Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Especially you know. for that time. Because, I mean, yeah, a lot of people, like, when they talk about, like, diversity in stage, they talk about In the Heights and then Hamilton being these two massive, these two important turning points. Yeah. And so something also almost had to inspire that to happen in some sense. I think that that's predominantly talking about, like, racial diversity. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think just, to, like... Again, well, you're not seeing traditional, like, upper-class, white, straight characters. Mm. Which, like, name any musical and you'll be able to name a character like that. Apart from maybe Rent. Yeah. Because some of them are really upper-class. It is interesting to me that in the wake of the pandemic, 
the Jonathan Larson show that's gotten all this mainstream attention is Tick, Tick, Boom. And I wonder or not that's just the inevitable movie adaptation of it that has done that for it. But uh, I will include two articles that are basically arguing different sides of the same coin about whether or not Rent is still relatable to today. Or like, I think there's a Vox article about saying, does Rent feel outdated 20 years later? And then there's one from 2021 saying, um, a quarter of a century later, Rent is still relevant. That's right. It's just a very iconic show. Bring it to the West End. Bring it bring it to London. Not even the West End. Doesn't have to be the West End. Please. I want to go see it. I want to go and see it. I think it, it's it's not one of those shows like Anastasia where I'm gonna end this episode and be like, yeah, I'm gonna go away and listen to it again. Yeah. Watch it. It's I've seen it, I've listened to it, I I enjoy it a lot. It comes up on my shelf and I'm like I'm having a good time. I mean, it might depend on the mood, depending on what song it is, but generally yeah. I listen to it when it comes up. But, I, yeah, I, I wonder where, what the legacy of Rent will be, because it's so different than what people initially thought it was going to be, in some sense. It's not, by any means, the oldest musical we've done. No, no, the oldest one what we've done is like Phantom, I feel like. I just feel like it because there's not any, like, prominent productions right now. Like, again, like, Phantom, um, we haven't done Waymers yet. No. We talk about it. We have a date for Lamers though. Can you get excited? It still feels current because you could go out and see it. Yeah. Whereas rent is it's one of the few ones where I'm like, I feel like there's no point in saying, where will, you know, where's the legacy? What will the legacy of rent be? Where will rent go? Because kind of already done it. We know where rent's gonna go. Rent's yeah. rent's an old music. <laughs> if they listen to us, the criteria. Please, please. Um, next week we are doing a very different show. We're doing Beauty and the Beast. Yay! Disney. Wait, have you been on production of it? Can I say what we're doing the week after? No. Please. Element Please. of surprise. Element of surprise. Please. 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 <laughs> well, it's you, can, you can work out what national what national holiday in America it is. Not is it not even a national holiday. It is a holiday. It's a holiday. Like they say holiday in the show. Yeah, it's a holiday in America about winter. And Nell's obsessed. And spring. Just life, man. It's life, really. Anyway. <laughs> so join us next week. But we're not doing that next week. We're doing that week after. Next week for Beauty and the Beast. Disney time. Anyway. Bye bye.